Olympic City and the home of Pikes Peak, this is the Automotive ADHD Show with Matt West. And here we are, rocketed on the Automotive ADHD Show, heard around the world as a podcast here in Southern Colorado on the radio, AM 1460 and FM 101.1, The Answer in Colorado Springs and then further south in the state in the Wet Mountain Valley on 91.7 KLZ, our voice of the Wet Mountain Valley. Matt West here talking cars with you on the weekend. I've got a loaded show for you today. We are going to talk about some of the most reliable and the least reliable cars of 2023 as we wrap the year up. Consumer Reports did their thing. They did their service. Surveys and the numbers are in. Uh, I'm going to be quietly gloating in the Toyota corner, by the way, but we'll get to that. Um, Also, the end of an era has come as two of the most loved automotive television shows, perhaps of all time, have... um, closed up shop for good now we're going to get to that uh also after years of waiting and procrastination tesla you might have heard about this they finally did something that ford chevy and dodge well have have done for about a hundred years they've made a pickup truck good job tesla we knew you could do it i mean actually i wasn't hopeful but you know what hey they did it so (laughs) we're gonna talk about that maybe a a little begrudgingly but uh, we're gonna get into all of those details and we're gonna get to your car sounds on this edition of the show now last week's show was really important if you missed it i had steve emmers the guardrail guy on the show as a guest to talk about road safety and why guardrails are dangerous and perhaps why um, they are better uh, or well why they're more suited to uh, you know causing injuries and things like that than they are for actually saving lives and uh, this is it's a really important interview it's a heartfelt story about uh, Steve and, and some tragedy in his life that prompted him to become a road safety advocate and uh, you really got to listen to this interview if you missed it you are missing out go listen to it on the podcast tune into it after this show right here on the podcast you can find it wherever fine shows and mine are downloaded uh, and that includes Spotify iTunes iHeart uh, all of the places uh, in fact so you gotta you gotta go listen to it and uh, it's really worth hearing so um, now before we get to uh, anything else here during the show you got to hear about this Michael Schumacher's race-winning F1 tire from 1996 has now been turned into a bracelet. And you can buy one, by the way. A Michael Schumacher tire bracelet from the actual race. If you are, uh, by the way, it's got diamonds in it, too, in case you were in case you were wondering on that. No, but um, it has been turned into a bracelet. No, it's not cheap. And be prepared for me. It was done by an Italian design house. So be prepared for me to reserve the right as an American to... Um, mispronounce uh, plenty of these words, um, but it's a Monegasque jewelry brand. Monegasque, Monegasque, I, I, you know what? Nope, not even going to try on that, but the, the brand is called Mongrip, and uh, I can pronounce that a little better. And this is a fashionable accessory. Yes, this is a car show, but we're also talking about fashionable accessories called the MZ6. <laughs> this thing is, I, I can't believe that. This is a realm of automotive stuff that I am. It is so far removed than what I than what I'm used to that that it's almost comical just to uh, to look at it. And uh, there's going to be 91 of these bracelets. I guess that's all the rubber they had left from Michael Schumacher's winning tire. He had four tires on the car. It's worth noting, but they keep in in the uh, press release here. They keep saying the winning tire. Um, 
Don't know what happened to the other three tires, but um, anyway, this is made from one of them, presumably. He didn't win the race on one tire. I'll tell you about that. And again, this is from the 1996 Italian F1 Grand Prix, you could say. Um, and uh, I'm not sure who the target demographic is for this. Um, you know, for, for one, someone who wears bracelets, but for two, someone who wants a bracelet that looks like it was sawed out of a piece of a tire like it literally just looks like a ring of tire you can even see the cords and the, the kind of the kevlar material inside of it um which is cool but nothing also tells me oh this is an f1 tire no to me it looks like you just took any old tire and and wrapped it around your wrist but it's got a little metal clasp and that and that little clasp is where the diamonds live um by the way these um, haven't officially gone on sale yet, but the first one, number one, of course they're serialized, was uh, auctioned uh, off at a uh, at a crisp $32,000. Oh my gosh. And uh, so, I mean, look, if you've got $32,000 to burn on a piece of rubber that you put around your, um, uh, that you put around your, your wrist, uh, you know what, that's... Um, that that's that's fine. That's good. I mean, if you are in the more money than brains category, this is definitely for you. Now, I don't say that as an insult. Don't get me wrong. That's not an insult. Um, I mean, you know, for example, I like crusty old American Motors products and Toyota products, weirdly enough. So I'm in the no money and no brains camp. So I'm 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 in no position to uh, criticize anybody who would who would wear this uh, tire around uh around their wrist so uh there you go now speaking of uh other things that we gotta that we gotta get to here um before uh we get to some stuff uh before we talk about Cybertruck, before we talk a little bit about uh you know some of the i i think the end of an era when it comes to automotive television but here's this um someone has taken in the united kingdom um a, 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 they've, they've turned Getting hit by an automated car, a self-driving car, into like a game, like a, like a game show type of thing. And, and hear me out on this, right? So we've got a proliferation of self-driving cars um, that are coming out. And if you live in a place where these are allowed to be tested on the roads, you have my condolences because you're probably well aware of uh, needing to dodge um, these self-driving cars as if your life depends on it. And in some cases, your life does depend on it. But... That being said, they train these cars, they train the, 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 you know, artificial intelligence, you could say, and the technology and all this stuff to recognize pedestrians and cyclists and emergency vehicles. Well, that's in theory what they're supposed to be doing. It's, it's not been in practice. It hasn't been quite as successful yet. But um, in the United Kingdom now, you can uh, go play in this wildly successful sort of game show-esque environment of <laughs> getting hit by a self-driving car for science and uh there's a um there's a company that took this to the streets in the uk and decided to set up a you know a fake crosswalk with cameras and some other stuff and the goal is they invited pedestrians on the road out uh to go into their fake crosswalk and see if they could outsmart the computerized system that detects whether someone's a pedestrian whether it's a dog running out into the road um and i guess for some sort of prize at the end if you could make it through the crosswalk without the computer detecting that you were a pedestrian i guess you win the game and there's a there's a video that goes along with this it's uh you know this is the makings of like a this has all the makings of a strange japanese like game show type of thing 
And um, and honestly, I will say the kid who uh, that that actually I don't know if he won it or not, but the kid who made it the furthest in the video, if you do watch the video, it's up on on YouTube. If you want to check it out, uh, the kid who made it the furthest hid underneath a traffic cone, kind of kind of like a cartoon almost and managed to sneak up on the AI camera that way. So maybe that is just what we have to do in the self-driving car apocalypse. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, no, thanks on the self-driving cars for me still. Not a fan of them. I'm not about it. Uh, but you know what? I have a feeling they'll probably be here for a while and they will probably get better. Probably. So um, we'll, uh, of course, keep you up to date on all the self-driving car mayhem as these things cause chaos on the streets. That is a topic I like to talk about frequently on this show. So, hey, don't go anywhere. We're going to talk Cybertruck and a couple of things you might want to know, as well as your car sounds, right here after the break on Automotive ADHD. It's right here on AM 1460, The Answer. T'was the night before Christmas when all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The children were nestled all snug in their beds, while visions of turbos danced in their heads. When out on the lawn there arose such a clatter, I sprang from my bed to see what was the matter. When what to my wondering eyes did appear, but a Mark IV Supra with boost to hear. And a little old driver, so lively and quick, I knew in a moment he must be Saint Nick. And then in a twinkling I heard the tires screech, the prancing and pawing of each horsepower. Down the track Saint Nicholas came with a bound, a bundle of parts he had flung on his back. He spoke not a word, but went straight to his work and filled all the stockings with speed parts and more, for the children would not have to return the core. He sprang to his Supra, with tires to roast, and down the track he went making the most. With forty pounds of boost on tap he tore, knowing the children would soon have more. Saying Merry Christmas from the Automotive ADHD Podcast. Ho ho, horsepower! All right. Hey, those car sounds, courtesy of Scott, uh, last month's Car Sound of the Month giveaway winner. Scott, congratulations. Your package that includes the Pelsey P12 Pro dash cam, as well as an automotive ADHD uh, key tag and sticker will be uh, on its way shortly here. In fact, it may even be on the road as you hear this. Uh, now, Scott, of course, sent his car sounds into the show by posting them on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash automotive ADHD. There's a pinned post at the top of the page, and then you comment on that pinned post with your car sounds. And uh, this is a great way for a me to live vicariously through my listeners uh, sending their car sounds into the show, but also for you to have your car sounds on on the radio, as well as have a chance to win some free stuff. So for the month of December here, we're going back to the old way we were doing it, which is uh, if you send those car sounds in, you get entered for a chance to win a $25 auto parts store gift card, a automotive ADHD keychain, as well as the automotive ADHD sticker. So we're going to go ahead and uh, do that. I'm going to have some more fun prizes uh, in the uh, in the future here. I'm working on some cool stuff. Uh, what you saw last month with uh, Pelsey, who was kind enough to sponsor the month's Car Sound giveaway. That's just the start. So hang tight. Hang tight. There's some cool stuff there. I encourage you, though, to send those Car Sounds in regardless, because 
you can always enter again for your chance to win. Just send me more car sounds. So uh, very cool stuff there. Again, Facebook.com slash Automotive ADHD. So I promised you talk of the uh, new Consumer Reports data, which has uh, come out, which is uh, rank they, every single year. They do surveys with owners. They look at their own test fleet. They compile this data to figure out what cars are the most reliable and which ones uh, you might find more interestingly are not reliable. And uh, starting off, uh, we've got brands just looking at brands aside from uh, models and this might not surprise you and i say this with a, a degree of pride somewhat uh, knowing that you know toyota can do no wrong and in this case when it comes to reliability toyota can do no wrong i'm just gonna ignore the fact that i've had several issues with my toyota this year <coughs> oh, don't uh, never mind i didn't say that on the air but anyway um that being said lexus came at number one in reliability which is lexus is just fancy toyota with leather um and then toyota number two came in number two on there followed up here's the curveball though you think all right number three's got to be honda it's got to be honda or at least acura right right come on honda and toyota they're the they are the mainstreams of reliability no it's mini cooper Mini was number three, which is really weird considering that BMW made number nine on the list, but Mini is made by BMW. Go figure. You can't see it on the radio, but I'm throwing up my hands in a in a gesture of confusion and and surprise here. Um, Mini, number three. And then number four, Acura, number five, Honda, Subaru made number six uh, with a predicted, they have a pr predicted reliability score, by the way. So for reference, uh, not just ranking it one through, you know, 50 or whatever, uh, but, you know, Lexus, for example, predicted reliability score of 79 going down to Subaru pr predicted reliability score of 69. Nice. Uh, then Mazda, 67% predicted reliability seven on the list yeah you know mazda to me is never they're a japanese brand and we associate quality with the japanese makes because of toyota because of honda and you know because of these things but to me mazda's never i don't know it's they make great cars they do i mean mazda you know the home of you know the the creators of the miata you know for heaven's sake the miata is an amazing car i've just never thought of them when i think of long-term reliability but you know plenty of miatas are uh the miata guys are probably going to are probably going to riot and and throw their uh, uh, 1.8 uh, NA blocks at me or something. But uh, anyway, so Porsche came number eight on the list, which aside from Mini, which I guess is technically a German brand now, is the uh, first ranking German luxury brand, we'll say, followed up by BMW. Kia and Hyundai made 10 and 11. I'm not going to go through the entire list here because it's really long, but I'm going to give you some more highlights here. Volkswagen, 27. Yeah, that's near the bottom of the list. I, I expect that of Volkswagen. I have not. I, I have friends who own Volkswagen, like modern Volkswagen products, Audi products as well. And they don't have a great time with reliability right now, especially on some of the newer stuff. Um, Volkswagen's 27. Rivian, the electric truck manufacturer, 24, which that's to be expected with a truck like that. That is uh, that is, well, uh, you know, it's a. Rivian's a newer company and they haven't been around nearly in terms of production and things like that as long as like Ford and Chevy and Dodge. That's to be expected. Tesla somewhat, too. You might be wondering where Tesla came on the list. Let's see if we can find it. Number 14, Tesla. Uh, that's all right. Now, they'll, who's who's the end? Who's the tail of the list? It's Chrysler. Yeah, Chrysler. Um, 
Yeah, I can I can imagine that, too, with a lot of uh, things that, uh, you know, folks have dealt with with certain modern Chrysler products here and uh, some of the um, uh, some of the uh, least reliable Chrysler models. You might be wondering about this. The Chrysler Pacifica and also the Chrysler Pacifica Hybrid. So I guess the Pacifica loses twice because the regular one is unreliable. And then the hybrid one, which is just the regular one, but with, you know, hybrid stuff is also unreliable. So I, I guess that's uh, that's to be expected. Um, now, let's let's talk a little bit here, too, about um, some more unreliable cars. The 10. What are the 10 least reliable cars? Not we're not talking makes. We're not talking manufacturers specific models here. And uh, some of the least reliable cars include, well, you wouldn't be uh, you wouldn't be surprised, but it would it would very likely be, uh, you know, more Chrysler products and, and things like that. And it's uh, one of those things that, you know, when when we look at cars as car enthusiasts, I think we don't I got to preface this here. Uh, and say that we don't need, uh, you know, necessarily need to know what the most reliable thing is, right? When it comes to when it comes to stuff like that, like we buy cars, we like cars, even though they are unreliable, right? And uh, and with that, that's that's just that's just par for the course. As as a car enthusiast, I think you know sometimes we gravitate towards things that don't make the most amount of sense, right? And uh, and and with that, I mean. You know, I mean, look, look at all the car guys out there who like things like Fiat. I mean, come on, man. Like, <laughs> like, and they're cool, right? Like old school Fiats are a thing. Italian cars, Alfa Romeo. I mean, come on. Alfa is, you know, the Alfa has made some of the coolest cars in the history of the world. And yet they are terribly unreliable, expensive and all of these things. And they always have been. People say, well, they're new now. They're, they're, they're better. They're, they're no, no, they're still Look, you, you sometimes can't change how these things uh, work. And uh, so anyway, we'll we'll get to some more stuff on here when it comes to least reliable cars. Uh, we'll get to some more of that later. I think I think I see a few things here I want to save for later. But uh, I do have to talk about this here before we wrap up the uh, before we wrap up this segment and talk about Cybertruck. Um, so um, on television, if you watch. Uh, you know, if you've ever watched any automotive TV show, you might recognize Top Gear, right? Top Gear has been around for decades uh, in its current form. That's been around since the early 2000s with uh, Jeremy Clarkson, uh, Richard Hammond and James May being the uh, the hosts of the show. And then after, uh, was it 2016, they departed and they got some new hosts. It's kind of been a revolving door of hosts since then. And, um, and, and with that, there are they've had you know a number of hosts through the show and and uh you know it hasn't i'm trying to think of the best way to put this right but it hasn't really to me connected very well it it really hasn't um you know i feel like they sort of had lightning in a bottle in a way you could say with the original trio in the early 2000s now it's worth noting that um that Clarkson, Hammond, and May, uh, it's worth noting that they, you know, they didn't start Top Gear. Top Gear had been around since, I think, the late 70s, I want to say. Definitely through the 80s and 90s in one form or another. And it really became what it was, what we knew with those guys. Um, now, Top Gear has been canned, though, unfortunately, by the BBC. So, um, production stopped uh, at the end of um, December 2022 because one of the uh, one of the hosts... 
Uh, unfortunately, uh, uh, Frenty Flintoff was um, unfortunately uh, injured in a, in a pretty bad accident while filming. So they, they stopped filming the show. Now, the show previously had been famous for some incidents while filming, uh, which is, uh, you know, which relates to... Um, Richard Hammond's crashes and the the 300 mile per hour you know jet car and things like that. So there'd been things like that, but since then they paused production. They haven't resumed it. They've now come out. The BBC has come out saying that they have um, officially canned the show for the quote foreseeable future. And uh, perhaps the BBC just wants to go in different ways. Perhaps their insurance and the way their their business model has to work. Um, Perhaps that's no longer viable. Maybe they're not seeing the sort of uh, viewership that they were seeing with Clarkson, Hammond, and May. Well, in fact, I know they haven't been seeing that. But I think the last iteration of Top Gear has actually been pretty good. Yeah, it hasn't been lightning in a bottle like the original trio, but it's been good. Now, that being said, the original trio, well, they have... um, also announced effectively their retirements from the Grand Tour. So the Grand Tour being the program that the original trio went together on, um, you know, after leaving Top Gear, right? After Clarkson uh, gracefully punched a producer in the face, uh, as gracefully as one can, by the way. But um, after he did that, they moved on. Well, they've now announced, too, that this next season of the Grand Tour, this is the last one. And uh, Clarkson said this. He says, quote, we're done. I have reviewed cars on TV since 1989. That's 34 years. And after next year, I won't be doing it anymore. And that's kind of it's kind of sad to hear it. But you got to imagine, too, he like he said, he's been doing this for 34 years. I imagine these guys, these guys want to retire. You know, they've they've had their fun and they want to kick back and enjoy some of maybe their project cars. I, I don't know. And, um, you know, it's it's just interesting because it's the end of an era, right? Like Top Gear, I would credit Top Gear for getting myself as well as many other of my millennial peers into cars and uh, as a whole, like at least as part of that, right? I think, you know, and at one time it was the most widely viewed factual, I say in air quotes, television show at one time. So anyway, hey, don't go anywhere. We are talking Cybertruck right here after the break. You're listening to Automotive ADHD on AM 1460 and FM 101.1 The Answer. Every day, thousands go without the ability to buy necessary and life-saving parts. Parts like turbos, coilovers, and wheels. I'm Steve, turbocharged BRZ. It doesn't run because I can play with my connecting rod through the hole in my block. Project cars sit unfinished, waiting for parts, collecting dust. My name is Todd, and I bought a rotary. It's okay, bro. We'll uh, swap it. But no more. You, yes, you, can make a difference. More information is available on the Automotive ADHD Facebook page. Facebook.com slash Automotive ADHD. Colorado Springs' number one car show by default. This is Automotive ADHD. 
Oh, man. All right. Hey, send your car sounds into the show. If you're not sending your car sounds into the show, where are you sending them, right? <laughs> Facebook.com slash automotive ADHD. I play your car sounds on the radio and you have a chance to win free stuff at the end of the month whenever you do it. So uh, definitely get on that. If uh, Facebook isn't your speed, if you like email, that's okay. Matt at throttlewarrior.com. So I've been hyping this up a little bit here over the course of the show today. Cybertruck, right? The Cybertruck. You've you've undoubtedly heard about it at this point, unless you've been completely, uh, unless, unless you were in a hiding in a, a nuclear bunker and you've been there for the past 30 years and you just came out on today. Um, you, you might not know what I'm talking about. But the Cybertruck, honestly, it has irreparably ruined my day. You know, as, as I was sitting down looking for stuff to talk about here on the show this week, I was doing my show prep. I struggled to find anything in the automotive media that was not Cybertruck related. I mean, really, I truly did. So, uh, I, you know what? At this point, we're halfway through the show. Um, I'm caving. I'm caving on that completely. I'm, I'm just talking about Cybertruck. There's nothing else to talk about. And, uh, and and I'm disappointed that I'm talking about Cybertruck. So anyway, um, so okay, Cybertruck, if you, again, you, you, you may be aware of it, Tesla's pickup truck they're doing they're going boldly where many auto manufacturers have already gone and continue to go which is making pickup trucks because pickup trucks just sell here in the united states they just do and uh, now i will say jason camisa from Haggerty did a wonderfully produced um review of the cyber truck and it's well worth the watch um i was just talking uh, i was talking previously about Top Gear and the the loss of these these great programs on television that that inspired a generation of car enthusiasts. Um, with that, Jason Camisa is carrying that torch with Haggerty. I mean, they they are making. Uh, the, the, I don't often endorse other people's you know shows and content, but they they are making some wonderfully produced stuff. I mean, if you've got a Top Gear sized hole in your heart right now because of the end of Top Gear uh, or the Grand Tour, either. Um, go watch, go, go check that out. You really are missing out if you're not checking out, uh, Haggerty's YouTube channel and specifically the series, uh, hosted by Jason Camisa. It's wonderful. But that being said, the Cybertruck, the hype of it, I mean, the Cybertruck itself has been hyped up for, uh, for years now, several years. We saw the prototype, uh, several years ago, and then they said, yeah, we're going to make it. We're delivering to customers next year. Didn't happen. Then the next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be next year when we deliver to customers. All right, another year goes by. Well, finally, they say they've been producing Cybertrucks. They're working. They have the assembly line. It's up. It's running. And now, as of Thursday, this last Thursday, I should say, um, they've begun delivering trucks to customers. I say delivering. It's not like if you're on the wait list, you're having one show up at your door. It was a, a launch event where some of the very first people, um, kind of hand-selected folks, you could say, um, got to receive their their cyber trucks. Um, and um, now the cyber truck, I mean, it, it really wowed people. It was a media sensation when it came out, uh, when the prototype truck came out with the design. Wow, it looks very different than anything else. Uh, people speculated there's no way they're producing that. That's just a concept car. Well, they did produce it. And it very much, the production model looks very similar to the prototype model. And um, and, and so it's it's a striking look, right? It's a it might be an acquired taste uh, in some ways, but it they delivered on it. Now, the Cybertruck, 
um, has some interesting specs. It uh, They're claiming, by the way, an 11,000-pound towing capacity, a 2,500-pound payload in the bed. The bed, I'm talking about pickup truck, pickup truck stuff because it's a pickup truck, right? The bed is six feet long and four feet wide. They say it can fit four by eight uh, foot pieces of plywood uh, with the tailgate down. And uh, they say it doesn't need a bed liner because it's a composite type bed, probably a lot like the Toyota Tacoma. <clears throat> Toyota did it first, but <laughs> no, I'm kidding. So anyway, um, it, it also uses a few different things that are interesting and a little unusual when it comes to um, the, the the construction of it. It uses a really unique construction method that is not a body-on-frame construction. Now, most of our pickup trucks are body-on-frame. You've got these big beams, these big steel beams underneath the truck that make up the frame, and then the body is stuck to the frame, and the frame holds the drivetrain and the suspension and all of that stuff. And, I mean, that's how commercial trucks have been made. That's how pickup trucks have been made since the dawn of pickup trucks. And, in fact, that's how a lot lot of cars, even cars, road-going cars, were made for a very long time. And the Cybertruck is sort of like a unibody construction, if you will. It's it's uh, Tesla's really proud of this setup that they have for basically casting giant pieces of aluminum as sections of the structure all at once. And they say it's really rigid. They say the Cybertruck is incredibly rigid and it is being praised for this unique construction method that makes it very rigid and very strong. Um, and it makes it very light and durable. It's a, it's a, from an engineering aspect, it is very, um, unusual. And I respect the amount of engineering that has gone into this truck. Now the body of it is a three millimeter stainless steel. Now is your car or my car made out of three millimeter thick stainless steel? It's not. And the last car I can think of to be made out of stainless steel, maybe wasn't quite as thick, but was the, uh, the DeLorean famously. And this truck kind of has a DeLorean-esque look to it, except you know, with pickup truck proportions and no gull wing doors. But, you know, um, Tesla's also advertising this uh, steel body as being bulletproof. Yes, they say if you ever have the the inkling, the feeling that you just got to shoot your own truck uh, with your handgun, they say it'll hold up to nine millimeter and forty five uh, caliber rounds, which, um, not that the windows will hold up to that necessarily. So like, it, I wouldn't say, don't get the notion here that you're going to go into a gunfight with this truck and it's going to be like a SWAT team, you know, armored truck. Probably not. They say it can hold up. The body of it can hold up to a uh, gunfire, uh, without being penetrated. Now, have I, it's cool that it can do that. That doesn't affect me very much as a daily consumer, but you know, you know what? It's cool. I do respect the fact too, that the truck, at least the body, with that is probably going to be fairly resistant to dings and scratches and things like that. You know, I I like the idea of a durable truck for truck things. Oh, if you bump into it with this, someone opens their door and dings your door. Um, no, I like the idea that it's it could be a little more uh, robust. Now, is this truck actually going to be more durable when we're talking drivetrain, when we're talking reliability? Don't know yet. Don't know yet. Also, if you do manage to damage these three millimeter stainless steel body panels, how do you fix that? Can you PDR that? Can you paintless dent repair that? Probably not. Probably got to replace the whole panel. It's probably expensive. Tesla's got like a monopoly on parts and maintenance. And we're going to get to that too um, a little bit here. But before I do, uh, another interesting thing that it has is drive by wire steering. The steering wheel isn't physically connected 
to the front wheels of the truck. There's no physical connection. It's got a force feedback unit in there that simulates feedback, and it's complete drive-by-wire. Now, it also has four-wheel steering, so you're steering and, and acts on all four wheels, and it's drive-by-wire, 100%. Now, the drive-by-wire part is probably necessary for it to be true four-wheel steering, and they say it's got a tighter turning radius than a Tesla Model S for being a big, gigantic pickup truck. Again, from a technical ass point, uh, ass, ass point, <laughs> from a technical aspect, it's uh, it's it's going to be very um, interesting. And uh, so anyway, uh, it, it's it's an interesting truck. The engineering is very cool. And again, it's a unique design from a design perspective and from an engineering perspective. It's also got quite a bit of uh, performance. The uh, uh, the Cyber Beast trim level of this truck is going to have 845 horsepower. Um which is quite a bit. That's quite a bit of horsepower in a pickup truck. And uh, it's very fast in in drag races and stuff. I think this thing is going to be these, this thing will be showing up to drag strips, local strips and stuff and blowing the doors off of everything, which come on at this point, at this point, speed with electric vehicles is no longer a commodity. It's just an average thing that we can have now. Um, I think electric vehicles and just looking into the future with more electric vehicles on the road, more hybrids, and still gas cars. I don't see a fully electric future truly happening. I really don't. Uh, even though our governments and certain people in our government want it to happen, it doesn't mean it's going to happen. But um, that being said, I think that's really going to change how we enjoy cars because everything is going to be fast. So I think finding cars and building cars for engagement and driver feel might actually become important as you know, everything suddenly is a performance car. So, hey, don't go anywhere. I'm going to give you more of my thoughts on this Cybertruck and why I think you probably shouldn't buy it, actually. I'll tell you about it here after the break. You're listening to Automotive ADHD, and it's right here. Ladies and gentlemen, the Speed Council proudly presents Automotive ADHD, now on video. For better or for worse, subscribe to Automotive ADHD, now playing on YouTube and Rumble. All right. Hey, car sounds, send them into my show for a chance to be featured on the radio as well as a chance to uh, maybe qualify for some cool stuff. Yeah, you got to check that out. Facebook.com slash automotive ADHD. Uh, don't get me wrong. You don't have to break any laws or do anything crazy in in recording your car sounds. Uh, I'm not asking you to do that. If you do that, that's... Um, that's on you. I can't I can't stop you. But if if you do get pulled over by the police and your excuse is, well, this guy, Matt, on the radio um, told me that I, I should do it. Um, I'm going to deny any involvement in knowing what you do. I don't know who you are. I don't even do a radio show. So, um, yeah, don't <laughs> don't use that as an excuse. But um, that being said, we've had tractor sounds, motorcycle sounds, um, all of the above. I've had I've had a guy send in sounds of his engine literally blowing up on the track. So um, the, the bar is not high here. So <laughs> anyway, um, now I was talking before the break about the Cybertruck and how the official launch of it, at least to customers, happened um, uh, last week and and my thoughts on the truck. And again, some, some cliff notes here. 845 horsepower in its highest trim version, four-wheel drive. It's also pretty expensive. I didn't mention the price in the last segment. 
but it ranges from $60,000-ish for the rear-wheel drive model, which why would you buy it in rear-wheel drive? That makes no sense. $80,000 for the all-wheel drive model. And um, that's a pretty pricey pickup truck, right? But weirdly enough, kind of par for the course for pickup trucks, especially full-size trucks now, um, especially if you've looked at any full-size Rams or, uh, you know, uh, Fords or, or even Chevys. I mean, look, these trucks are getting expensive. Honestly, I think... I think um, uh, that trucks, especially truck prices, are out of hand at this point. I mean, it's absurd. I mean, you even look at some of the higher trim, like Chevy Colorados, for example, a mid-sized truck, right? And um, they're $60,000. I mean, it's it's absolutely nuts, in my opinion, how expensive trucks have gotten. Um, now, like with with the Cybertruck, right, It's you're paying a good amount of money, but it's not that different from... What you have with Chevy, what you have with Dodge, you know, especially for a high trim luxury truck. And that's what this is. I don't think you're going to have very many construction contractors buying these cyber trucks at that price point. Not only that, the weird sloped design, the angular design of it, it doesn't have a flat area where you can just easily load something into the bed from the side. The, the back of it slopes down there. Also completely ruining your rear view uh, visibility, which makes the vehicle require to have cameras to even see what's going on um so yeah no a lot of people aren't going to be using this as a work truck this is a luxury truck uh f completely through and through it is a luxury truck and it's priced like one um it's also like i said very fast uh we're talking zero to 60 by the way on the uh, high performance model in a matter of 2.6 seconds which is mind-blowing when you consider that the truck weighs nearly seven thousand pounds and it does 0 to 60 in 2.6 seconds. Um, by the way, last week, my discussion with Steve Emmers, the guardrail guy, was really eye-opening because he said EVs are a major concern when it comes to uh, road safety, especially with guardrails. Because this Cybertruck, 7,000 pounds. Now, it is a little bit lighter than the... Um, than the, uh, the the GMC Hummer, which is about uh, 10,000 pounds, the Hummer EV, right? That's about a 10,000-pound vehicle. And so this is lighter. It is. It is 7,000 pounds. They shave some weight off there, which is incredible, too, when you, you consider the stainless steel body and some of that other stuff, um, right? But, but that's still 2,000 pounds more than what any guardrail is designed to deflect. Uh, guardrails, per Steve, what he said, guardrails are designed for 5,000-pound vehicles period. And most EVs are well over that. Most of them are. By the way, if you missed that interview, check it out on the podcast feed. It is really, really an important one. Um, so go check that out. Um, now, also speaking of road safety with the um, Cybertruck uh, and that weight of it, the truck itself in a collision does appear to be fairly durable in a lot of crash testing, right? Um, so it, they did crash test the truck and it was, it, it it had flying colors, basically. It was it was at least in a side impact, which is the video I saw. It did a very good job of uh, of uh, deflecting those forces in that impact. Um, now that being said, there's a number of things I like about the truck. There's a number of things I don't like about the truck. What I don't like, I don't like how it looks. Yes, it's a striking look. It is a striking look, and no, undoubtedly, uh, it's going to create some sort of design trend at this point. Um, but I just can't like, no matter how much I look at it, like some cars you see in press photos and, and then you see the, and you, you say, well, I really don't like how that car looks. Um, and then you see it in person and it's like, oh, that's not that bad. 
not with the the cyber truck no matter what angle i see photos of it at i you know granted i haven't seen one in person but i don't think it's going to be any better like no matter how much i look at this truck i don't go yeah that's a beautiful design now granted it's a truck it doesn't have to be a beautiful design but you know it, it's that's something you, you gotta like how your car looks if you're gonna like the car that's like part of the equation at least um and i i do question the the long-term durability the perceived durability with the stainless steel body and the unibody construction and all of that 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 appears to be quite good but we're gonna have to see how the truck handles trails how it handles bumps and, and impacts and stuff like that um the stainless steel body again that seems cool. You know, you can, you know, bump it into something, say, on the trail, right, if you're off-roading, and it's probably not going to hurt it. Likewise, if you do manage to hurt it, how expensive is that? How is the repairability? How is the field serviceability, right? Those are things we don't think about a lot with consumer cars, but pickup truck owners, and a lot of pickup truck owners do consider that, especially a lot who maybe participate in off-roading as a hobby and things like that um you know i think serviceability is probably going to be terrible just knowing that it's a tesla product in general right like tesla is not the shining bastion of right to repair either i mean there have been a lot of right to repair issues in my opinion with tesla even their current offering of cars uh parts are hard to get uh a lot of work has to be done on them at a you know certified repair center and and repair times are huge because there's not a lot of uh you know actual there aren't that many certified repair centers there's a lot of uh lead time on these projects right like tesla as uh, owning it long term i don't think is necessarily the best thing perhaps even out of out of warranty right now granted a lot of modern trucks aren't that great either for you know uh ease of repair at home they use a lot of proprietary electronics and a lot of parts and stuff but they're still miles better than tesla and you know the f-150 lightning i think still takes the cake for being the best option in this market right now yes we've got the crazy cyber truck yes it has a ton of fascinating technology and 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 an interesting design um that that i can't even scratch the surface on you know on all the technical details like it is very cool the engineers who built it worked very hard it is a well-engineered vehicle at least on first impression but that being said i still think the f-150 lightning is a better truck especially if you are buying a truck if you're in the market for a truck um, the F-150 Lightning uses loads of commonplace F-150 parts, uh, fenders, you know, things like that, doors, interior trim, all sorts of stuff. I mean, the drivetrain's different, obviously, but uh, a lot of the F-150, if you get into a minor fender bender, it's not going to be a million years of lead time at a specialized body shop waiting on specialized parts that only they can order that you can't even order as a consumer. Um, with the F-150 Lightning, you get into a fender bender, you can go order an F-150 fender online, you can go to a junkyard and find one, imagining, say, in 10 years when the uh, newer F-150s are, well, newer now are in the junkyard, then you could do that. There's a lot of options there. And then a body shop, anyone with a couple of 10 millimeter uh, sockets can, can take that fender off, put a new one on, and then the body shop will have it painted in a few hours, right? Like, that's something you just don't get with the Cybertruck or any Tesla offering. And, um... You know, and, and that's, I think, one of my big hangups with Tesla still. It's not that it's an EV. Oh, it's not that I'm an EV hater. Though I, I've seen a lot of tech journalists, um, you know, lambasting the F-150 Lightning and stuff in the recent days because, oh, it's an old design. It uses a design that is 100 years old, body on frame. The Cybertruck is the new way to go. This is how manufacturers are going to do it. 
I don't think that's the case because body on frame is a great design. It works well. It's cost effective. Uh, there's a reason loads of commercial trucks do it. It's repairable even. You can repair a, f a frame on a truck. You can even swap a frame on a truck if it's if it's too far gone. So I don't know. I'm skeptical of the Cybertruck. I like it. I like a lot of the coolness of the engineering, but I also... I also think it's a little over-engineered, so we're going to see. Uh, it'll probably be the thing of uh, rich Instagram influencers uh, for a while, so anyway, there you go. Hey, you're listening to Automotive ADHD. Thanks for listening to this show. I'll catch you next week, and remember to catch this as a podcast online as well. See you next week.